You're listening to Social Media Unlocked, episode number two. Each game kind of has an audience that lives in a certain place, and we try to like target the content to where those people are. It's time we had an honest conversation about social media. This is Heather Pink, your host of Social Media Unlocked. After spending years producing TV and running social media for the NFL, I started my own social media consulting agency. And well, I want to talk and teach more about social media. Through each podcast, I hope to bring you a new perspective on social media through influencers, brands, content creators, and more. So that way it can help you with your personal brand, your brand's content, collaborations, and well, just being more knowledgeable about social media. Every brand has a different and unique voice. And every brand sets up the way that they do and create social media content differently. And of course, that changes per platform. Some companies have one person doing all the content creation, strategy, and social media execution, while other bigger companies, they have larger teams. Managers, content creators, strategists, artists, directors, you name it. But for a brand like EA Sports, they have so many different subsets of brands to fit under one company. You've got FIFA, you've got Madden, you've got The Sims. They also have so much more. So how does a company like EA Sports figure out which of their games, or really small subset brands, gets the social media real estate it needs to survive and thrive? On today's podcast, I decided to interview a content strategist at EA Sports. You'll find content strategists are becoming more and more popular among brands that have to produce or manage a lot of content. And although Matt Franciscovich doesn't do the day-to-day managing of EA's social media platforms, he provides an inside perspective on how strategists do help shape the brand's voice on social media platforms and how EA juggles the different games they have to offer under one umbrella. All right, well, I have with me Matt Franciscovich on this podcast. I'll probably call him Franchise because that's how I've always known him. He's a content strategist over at EA Sports. Franchise, thanks for coming on, man. I really appreciate it. Of course, Heather. This is very exciting that you're launching your own podcast, and I'm honored to be. It's been so many years of you guys having a podcast. (laughs) I think it was my turn to have one. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. For those people that don't know what a content strategist is. Tell us a little bit about what you do and what a content strategist is over at EA Sports. Sure. There's a lot of hats that a content strategist can wear. So everything from social media to web content and designing new web pages for a certain event. Like my my focus has been competitive gaming or esports for Madden and FIFA here. So like whenever there's a new event, we kind of redesign the site and with new themes and just deciding what goes where, um, how to roll out what content, um, previewing events, or for instance, like a game launch. Like right now, we're leading up to launch Madden 20, which we announced the cover athlete um, at the NFL Draft. So we're like rolling out content over the next couple months to inform our community. Um, So there's a lot of planning, um, strategic, like when we're sending what tweets, Um, and there's also a lot of copywriting involved, which is something that I just have, I've always been a writer editor, so kind of fits, um, in my background. Um, but getting to like plan stuff out, um, and like figuring out how to effectively roll things out for certain beats that we're working on is really the main gist of it. So, um, so like, yeah, go ahead. Let's say for Madden, right? Which I'm sure this same or similar sort of workload protocol goes for a lot of the games that you guys launch. You're not the ones doing that. You aren't the ones sending the tweets out. So how does it work when you have someone that's 
probably already programming all the content? And then are you sort of feeding in to, hey, this is what we should be writing? How big of a team is that? What that process is like? Like our social team that actually sends the tweets? Yeah. Each, they call them franchises, but it means games. So like Madden, FIFA, NBA, um, NHL, we had a UFC game. Each game has its own social team. Uh, the guy who does Madden also does some NBA stuff. But there's like a shared document and it's kind of like a weekly plan. Like, hey, here are the beats we're hitting this week. Here are the tweets we're um, scheduled to send out. Here's the copy we're going to use. Here are the assets we're going to use. And that person shares the document with a huge group of people that are all in different departments in the marketing team. And if someone has a suggestion like, hey, I think this copy would work better or use this hashtag instead, um, you know, that, that kind of input can be uh, suggested. So a lot of times, um, like for instance, last summer, I had a really cool opportunity to interview DeAndre Hopkins, who's a wide receiver for the Houston Texans. And I asked him about his Madden ratings and like why he thinks he's underrated and all these different things. And it was a really cool like Q&A interview that I turned into an article, put on the website and then suggested copy for the tweet. And it was like, you know, Mad Franchise interviews DeAndre Hopkins about his Madden ratings or something like that. Like, find out what he said about comparing himself to Julio Jones. Something like, I don't want to say clickbait, but something like a headline grabber, right? Yeah. That's how I, that's how I framed the article. And then our social media team tweeted out, uh, find out what DeAndre Hopkins' gamer tag is on PlayStation 4. And that was the tweet that went out to sell my article of this really great interview I did. And I saw the tweet go out and I was a little like, hey, you kind of undersold like a really good piece of content that might have had more legs if it wasn't just like, hey, here's his gamer tag. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So there's some of that like, you know, you can suggest stuff, but it doesn't mean the person who's actually pushing the button on Twitter is actually going to use your suggestion. So you do mention tweets a ton, but... I know that Twitter isn't the biggest of all of EA's platforms. How much sort of influence does content strategists have with the other platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube? So for you, YouTube is weird. We, have, we actually have a team here called Channel Strategy, and they drive like what content we put on what channels. So like for YouTube, we really just try to limit that to like tr- gameplay trailers or like huge beats because we want those views to rack up on those channels for things like Twitch where stuff like just kind of lives forever. Um, that's more like for competitive gaming, but those are like eight hour streams. Yeah. So it's like, <laughs> if you really want to see what happened, you have to scrub unless someone like clipped it and posted like a 20 second clip on Twitter. You really have to like search that. So that's more for the hardcore audience. Um, and then Facebook, it really just depends on the game, right? Like different games have different communities and they all live in different places. So like some communities are really passionate on Reddit or like the community forums. Each game has its own forum on EA.com. Um, but for Madden, mostly people are on Twitter for FIFA. A lot of people are on Twitter and then Instagram we try to use for like, obviously images or videos and stories. We played around with stories this year of just like at EA Sports Bowl, which is a big event we do at Super Bowl. We had like a big red carpet. So all the celebrities, we like gave all the celebrities rolling in like the cell phone and they did like selfie videos like Migos, like, hey, we're at the EA Sports Bowl. So it's that, it just, it's just kind of 
seeing what works and what doesn't and testing new stuff out and seeing, I mean, seeing the engagements afterwards. EA is a big company that has a lot of different franchises for, you know, yes. like forward, right? How difficult is that process, do you think, of trying to figure out how much real estate each game gets? Well, I think at the end of the day, it comes down to which games are more successful or have a bigger reach. So a game like FIFA, because FIFA, soccer in general, is a global sport, will naturally have a bigger audience. Where a game like Madden, because NFL is really just huge in North America, though the NFL is trying to expand, it's just naturally a smaller audience. So the competitive gaming streams get less views. FIFA sells globally, so like they're... Uh, ultimate team does better than Madden's in comparison. Um, But then you have like a game like The Sims, which is kind of a sleeper for EA. It's not EA Sports, um, but Sims does very well for us. And uh, it's just been around forever and it just keeps doing well for us. So, you know, we have a huge team dedicated to just The Sims. We're smaller titles like NBA like NBA Live, we have NBA Live. A lot of people think we make 2K, but they're our competitor. Um, NBA, NHL, UFC, those are just in general smaller audiences, so they get a little bit less uh, dedication from different teams. So Franchise and I met because he used to work at the NFL, and we used to both work on fantasy football together. Franchise, how long have you been at EA now? Has it been three? Uh, just over a year. About over maybe a year. a year and a half. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely felt like almost like two years. I know you haven't been there that long, but do you get a perception or an idea of sort of where social has come from, like being at EA to where it is now? When I first started here last year, we had a, a team called, that we called the newsroom, and we were trying to like sort of build ourselves up as like, I want to say like the ESPN of video games, because we have all these sports titles and we were pumping out all these blogs on our website and trying to be kind of like like reporters on our games, like deliver the content first, like before the community got it so that we could like own that stuff. And I don't think that got a really, it wasn't well received from our communities and our audience that was already trained to kind of like go to YouTube for influencer content on whatever game it might be. And so we, we tried to kind of retrain them to come to our website and make EA Sports more of a news type of website than a marketing, like reading a marketing brochure. Uh, but that didn't really work. So now we're trying to change it because it, it would be things like we our, our man handle would tweet out an article to ratings or something and nobody would read that article because they just don't really care. Like gamers want to hear like, what's the latest update? Like when are you guys putting out a title update? What are the new features I can expect? They don't want to read like, you know, 500, 1,000 words on... They, they didn't care I interviewed DeAndre Hopkins. Nobody cared. But on like a different website on ESPN, that would do a lot better, right? So we tried that. It didn't work. So like our social team was putting out these articles that weren't getting engagement. But the things that do get engagement are like gifts of like gameplay or mm-hmm. like, screen, like cool screenshots. Um, so it's been a lot of kind of like... It's kind of like the Wild West. We're not really... 100% sure what works and what doesn't. So we know what well, we do know what works. So we try to do more of that. And we're now trying to roll back the stuff that hasn't worked over the last year or so. And that's a long convoluted answer, but um, <laughs> that's okay. It's, 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 it's tough. Long convoluted answers. That's just totally, yeah. totally fine. Um, <laughs> I know that 
like you just mentioned that FIFA has a big, you know, global presence and NFL um, having a big presence on all social media platforms. Do you guys find, let's say outside of Twitch, because Twitch, in my opinion, kind of, it has a niche audience, you know, Um, me, I don't game as much. You're not going to get me on Twitch unless there is something big and large and in my face and directing me there. So outside of Twitch, does EA feel that there is a stronger of the, the social media platforms? I don't think I don't think we like you know favor one platform over the other, um, but I think each game kind of has an audience that lives in a certain place, and we try to like target the content to where those people are. So like just for for a, a small example, because I was doing esports, whenever we had a stream, we would stream live on Twitch, on YouTube, on Facebook, on Mixer, which is Microsoft's platform. And sometimes I think when I started last year on Twitter, and then we realized that that wasn't a great idea because Mixer would get maybe 150 views for like a big tournament. Um, So this last tournament, we just wrapped up um, at the end of April, the Madden Bowl, we cut out everything but Twitch. And we only streamed directly on Twitch. And we got extra promotion from them for that. Um, and our numbers, we like broke records for our viewership numbers. So a lot of, especially in esports and competitive gaming, a lot of it is like uncharted territory. And it's like, Hey, what worked last year? Like, let's do that again or see how we can kind of boost it. And whatever didn't work, just throw it away and like, don't do that again because we know it doesn't work. I mean, we come from the NFL, so obviously we're always going to be looking at what they do. Is there, and also when we were there, like I know like you and I working in the fantasy space, always looking at what Yahoo Fantasy did, what ESPN Fantasy did. But from like a broader perspective, I know the NFL looks a lot at what the NBA is doing. Is there comparative to what EA Sports is? Like, are they looking at a potential competitor or what other sports leagues are doing? Or are they like, we don't care. We know that we're in uncharted territory and we're going to keep trying to trailblaze in what we think. I think a little bit of both. So for like, for Madden, like nobody else makes an NFL game. We're the only one. So it's hard to like compare. For NBA, they have a direct competitor in 2K. So I think they do like, hey, what, like, what do 2K's assets look like? What are they doing on social? Um, what gets engagement? Should we try this strategy? Should we try our own, like, to elevate that in some way in our own unique way? But like, for instance, for like our Madden Twitter handle, I know I'm talking about Twitter a lot. I would go to NFL's Twitter and NFL tweets so much content all the time, whether it's a video highlight or like a retro photo or whatever it is, a poll, a ranking, whatever. And they, I don't know how many tweets they send out a day, but it's a lot. Here, you know, the, the objective is to get people to get into our games and play our games. So we only send from, say, the Madden Twitter one or two tweets a day so that those tweets can perform based on our benchmarks that we want them to perform and hopefully drive people into the game rather than just throwing every screen grab we get on Twitter all the same day. It's more about kind of strategizing when and where to use these things to drive the most engagement. It must be tough because coming up with content and creating the content, that's the tough part. And Mm -hmm. EA doesn't have that whatsoever because they almost have like an infinite number, like amount of content because of the interest in it and people doing their own tutorials and stuff. So how is it? 
you know, how is there a balance of, all right, this is content that we're going to put on from the game and what's original content that EA creates just for social? We have, we have a program called Game Changers, which is basically like our community for each game. Um, YouTubers, influencers, social media people who are targeting like a more hardcore audience. And we give them early access to content and say, hey, do a review of this, write a blog on this, make a YouTube video of this. Like we'll let you play the game and record some gameplay and, you know, put a YouTube video out and it'll get a bunch of views and that. that so, so I guess what I'm getting at is EA Sports does not create a lot of its own original content. Um, we're trying to move in that direction because we just opened a, a broadcast studio in our San Francisco office to do competitive gaming streams. And we're hoping to transform that broadcast center into a place where we can go and just do like developer streams or like community catch-up stuff and things that aren't as official. Um, so we're working towards that. Right now, we give... It's mostly just game-changer-generated content. So like we have this whole program you can sign up for and you know, we, we give you early access to stuff. I that's think that answers your question. I think so. But I mean, that's a really cool program. Um, yeah, yeah. How long do programs like that take from, because I'm, you know, I'm assuming it's like, that's not just like, oh, hey, here's this idea having a meeting and then tomorrow or next week it comes to fruition. How long do you think that process takes? It's been, I think it's only been going on for maybe three years. Don't quote me on that. But I know it's fairly in the last couple of years, fairly new because the kids, the kids are on YouTube. And uh, so yes, they are, <laughs> they are. And it's been a very successful program for us in terms of people looking at our game on other people's YouTube channels and them kind of elevating the content we create to their own hardcore audiences. And those are the audiences we want to hit because those are the audiences who play our game and will fire Madden year after year and all that stuff. Um, so it's been, I think it's been a slow process, but it's really at like a really cool place right now where we can rely on these people. You know, every time we launch a new game, they do top five tips or like the coolest things you didn't know you could do in Madden or like how to, it's the, the simplest things like how to do a spin move, which is like pressing one button to like really complicated. Yes, stuff. but I would need that. I know exactly. Right. <laughs> you're, you're the target for that. So that's, that's why it works because it hits every audience. I tell people I watch one YouTube video a day, probably. How to do something. How to change a setting on my camera. YouTube University. Yeah, and half the, half the time I'm like, how do I do this one thing in Photoshop? And it's like the voice of like an eight-year-old like being like, hey guys, I'm back with a new video. Here's how you do this thing in Photoshop. And I'm like, I'm literally like learning computer software from someone who's 30 years younger than me. I'm not 40, but you know, you know what I'm saying. I know what you mean. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm not sure if this is part of your realm. Always interested in this because this was one of the things that helped when I started working on the fantasy football platforms really helped me make more ground was keeping track of the metrics and analytics and showcasing them in an interesting way. Um, obviously NFL and bigger corporations, everyone does it differently. There's companies for this. How much does EA take into analytics? Is it something that you guys look at on a daily basis, a weekly, monthly, and how does it affect change? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, this newsroom team that we had, like we had writers for every game and every month we had to do, we like dove into Google Analytics and like pulled the data on all the blogs we wrote, saw how many page views they got, 
all these different things and put them in a report and try to decipher what it meant and, you know, send it off to some people who are, who are above my pay grade. Um, who knows if they read them or not, but we try to like dig in and like see what works and what doesn't and say, Hey, we did this or like, Hey, this blog, this deep dive blog we did last year got the most views. Like we definitely need to do that again next year. So things like that. And then for stuff like social media, it's just about hitting our, like each social media platform. Like if you post an image, it needs to get X amount of engagements, X amount of, you know, if it's a scroll, X amount of scrolls or link clicks or whatever. Um, so the goal for the social media team is like only post content, you know, will hit those engagement points. So there's a lot of like behind the scenes looking, looking at and analyzing metrics that goes on for sure. Yeah. With games like FIFA, you have a really cool opportunity. I know you kind of just mentioned these people that go in and do these reviews or these blogs and stuff. Those are a form of influencers, right? Because they have influence over how people are going to buy the product. Now, go from the opposite side to that. Do you guys ever get um, regular opportunities to interact with the players that actually are in these games? Or is it only during like the release point of the games? Um, yeah, I haven't had as much experience with FIFA as I have with Madden in this. So like in the NFL season, in the off season is when the, you can get the most access to the players because they're not with their teams, they're not traveling, they're not in season, they're, you know, doing training camp a couple times a week or whatever, but they're usually just kind of hanging out during workout, doing workouts wherever. So a guy like Juju Smith-Schuster, who is like known to be a gamer, he's young, he has a huge social media influence. He has done a lot of stuff for Madden. He did a, the Madden Bowl broadcast last year. He did stuff with us at the draft. He was at EA Play last year, which is our annual like festival, like E3. And so he's done a lot of stuff for us with that to try to like, it gives us a cool factor, right? Of having someone like Juju with our, you know, attached to our, to our streams or whatever. And then another thing that we can do in season Something we were doing last season that really got a lot of traction. I don't know if you saw it, but it was called the Madden Ratings Adjusters. So we had these like shadowy figures going around to NFL games. And on their back, they had a jacket that said like Madden Ratings Adjuster. And they would just stand there with their arms crossed. And like they'd, <laughs> like, they'd be watching the NFL game being like with a clipboard, like whose rating am I going to, you know, boost bring, after or boost. bring up or down? Yeah. After each game. And like, Players latched onto it, and I think Leonard Fournette saw one of them at camp, and um, you know Saquon Barkley like shook some hands to try to like get his rating boosted because NFL players really do care about what their Madden ratings are, um, and they want to be 99s all the time. Um, so that is a way we kind of like integrated people who work at our company into like real life NFL games, and it got a lot of good pickup on social media. Um, so there's a lot of that. That that's an in season thing. Um, But also, like, we recorded a commercial last year for Madden 19, and we had DeAndre Hopkins was in it. We had Lil Dicky in it, who's like, I didn't know who Lil Dicky was until last year. Apparently, he's huge. He is. I I was like, who is this guy? Um, Now I know who he is, and it makes sense that we're using him, but we're always trying to, like, find people like that who have reach, like, real mainstream reach to help elevate our content. I feel like uh, I I can't go a gaming podcast without talking about ninja so for those people that don't know ninja 
one, just look him up because there's no other justice I can do other than I think he's really made a name for himself of being the influencer in the gaming space. Has he has he changed the way that you guys think or talk about esports? I don't know if he's changed, but he definitely, it's like everyone's watching what he's doing all the time. Oh, Ninja was at this event. Oh, Ninja just streamed Apex for three days straight. Do you know what Ninja looks like? Because I don't know what Ninja looks like. Yeah. His hair is either blue or pink. He's, he's kind of skinny. He always, (laughs) he always wears a bandana. But yeah, I mean, if you ever watch him stream Fortnite or a first person shooter type of game, he's one of the best in the world. And that's how he built his his brand. And now, I mean, he, he put out like his own album with all these like DJs last year called Ninja works. And, uh, he's just all over the place. And he has, he was on the cover of ESPN, a magazine, I think a couple months ago last year at some point. Um, and I think he's smart enough to know that this is kind of a bubble that is going to burst at some point. So he's trying to capitalize wherever he can so that when gaming, maybe the gaming bubble pops and he's not getting a million views every day, he can, you know, pivot to something else. Is that, is that how you see maybe, I mean, I don't play Fortnite. I don't necessarily know that I understand it completely, but I found myself being like, this is a craze and it's going to end soon. Like there's no way that this is, this is fandom is going to continue. This, it's not like Disneyland for me. Like, is this like <laughs> bad, you know, like, am I right there? Or I think, I think at a point you are, it's also a lesson for video game companies like Fortnite had so much success and that, that game you can download for free. You play, you download and play Fortnite for free and they make money off people buying new clothes and skins and weapons in the game. Right. So it was a new model that I don't think people, anyone had really tried before. And then EA put out a game earlier this year called Apex, which was the same kind of uh, platform where it was free to download, free to play. It got it like skyrocketed to the top of the charts. And then since it's kind of leveled out, but it's kind of just a new way of video games, video game companies trying to figure out how to like make a bunch of money. Yeah. <laughs> like put, out, put out a free game and then like figure out the revenue stream after that. It's fascinating. It's like, here's this business plan. Not really thought through, but let's just do it. Let's yeah. Let people download and see what happens. Yeah. So like all the kids are on YouTube, they're also all on playing Fortnite and watching Ninja stream it on Twitch. So it oh. is a craze. Um, it will end. It will end at some point, but yeah, right now it's not. So as someone that's working right now in the esports industry, Do you find whether in your everyday life or maybe just from an observation perspective, any obstacles with social media? So one thing I noticed is that when we tweet about competitive gaming from like our main Madden channels, it doesn't get a lot of good uh, engagement. People complain. People are like, you know, people make fun of competitive gamers and say they're nerds and they're living in their mom's basement. And it doesn't have like, I I like the stigma is starting to go away. But when you blast out a competitive gaming thing to like an audience of a million people, like only maybe 10,000 of them are going to react well to it and actually be into it. So that's been a challenge of trying to like elevate those, elevate those tournaments and those streams through our main mainstream handles, because not everyone is into competitive gaming that follows the main Madden channel. So we've started like for FIFA and Madden, we have our own verticals on Twitter just for esports, um, And that is the most engaged audience we have. 
It's only, you know, there's only maybe 11,000 people who follow that Madden Twitter handle and I'm trying to grow it, but it is the hardcore audience. Whereas the main Madden handle has 800,000 followers. So that is a challenge. It's just kind of like getting it to be more mainstream. One thing. So you work with a couple companies. Do you have any maybe do's and don'ts or um, sort of lessons that you've learned? For social media mm-hmm. or just in general? Yeah. Uh, start, for why do you start with social media and then you do the in general ones? For social media, ignore the haters because they're just going to make, they're just going to ruin your day. So the lesson I've learned is that if you have haters, you know, you've made it. Um, <laughs> and I block the haters. If they, if they're mean to me, I just block them and get them out of my life immediately. Cause there's nobody's got time for that. So just like, be nice, be positive, try to stay positive. Well, I mean, um, are people reaching out to you as someone that works at EA or, cause I know that you have a, a rather large following on Twitter and like you have on there where you work, like, do you ever have people coming at you? Yeah, sometimes it's it's less game game developers get more of that like death threats and stuff like that. So a lot of developers have been um, reluctant to like have a big presence on social media because they don't want these people like threatening their families and stuff. If like someone lost in a game or somehow thinks they the game is broken or they got cheated. Um, for me, a lot of my following comes from being in fantasy football, and I've tried to like gain more of a following from the gaming community, but that's been tough. But like the people who, you know, are important to my job, like Madden competitors, they follow me and they interact with me and they see that I'm trying to like do good content to help their careers. So um, it goes back. It goes both ways. What about some don'ts? Some don'ts on social media are don't post too much stuff. Cause then like, the algorithm breaks and no one wants to, everyone gets annoyed and you know, no one will see your tweets. If you tweet so much, if you tweet a lot of stuff and it doesn't get engagement, people are going to stop seeing what you're posting and just be yourself because you know, if you're, if you're putting on a persona of someone that you're not, it's going to get figured out at the end of the day. So just try to be yourself and like make a brand for yourself from who you are and what you believe in. And don't try to like be all these other fake people. <laughs> Hashtag knowledge, right? Yeah. Yeah. Don't be fake, man. Don't be fake. Oh, uh, it's so transparent when people are fake. And I'm like, I, there are people I know, I'm not going to name names. There are people I know that I'm like good friends with or coworkers with. And then like, I see how they are on social media and it really gets me upset because I'm like, dude, you're, you're not like, I know who you are. People are going to figure it out eventually. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? They just like annoy me on social media. And when I was even in college and in my sortie days, we would stalk people on Facebook and stuff to see what they were like. Yeah. Anytime now I get hit up by a company or whatnot, I'm always looking at everything first, who works for them, if they're upfront about who works for them. It's very interesting to have a balance. People are upfront about where they work. You know what I'm saying? It's like, oh yeah, I'm EA and I work with the Madden game. You know, to have that sort of identity already be out on social, it can be risky at times too. Because then you're like, I know where this guy works. And right, right, right. So yeah, and there is a little bit of like being smart about like many where things are very, a lot of things are confidential leading up to launch and like we can't say certain things or announce certain photos or whatever it might be. So you don't always want to like 
you know, if you work at a company where you have classified assets and stuff, like don't be an idiot and post that stuff on Twitter thinking like you're going to be first and you're going to get all the retweets and, and you know, you're going to be famous from it. Cause like, that's not what's going to happen. It's going to happen is you're probably going to get fired. Have you Just been a witness to any of that? No, I think I haven't been witness to any of that. Sometimes like some things leak, things leak all the time because people at blogs have contacts in the company and someone submits something anonymously or for mm-hmm. whatever reason and inf- information gets out before we want it to or I think last year with Madden like our ratings leaked before we wanted to announce them and that was it gave people something to talk about on the internet but it didn't line up with our plan and it kind of messed up our whole rollout plan for the summer so just things like that it's like if a company, like for Game Changers, if the company's giving you information and tells you when to roll it out and don't release it till this date, try to be respectful about that. Did you guys have to, in that instance, you guys have to like totally re-scramble and push things forward? Or did you guys keep sort of like the line of, all right, they were supposed to be released this date, we're still going to do it? So I think what happened was like all these ratings came out and then our developers were like, well, we purposefully put false ratings in the game in case there was a leak of this like early build of the game that was at EA play. So all these websites wrote about it and we were like, yeah, but those aren't the actual ratings, but no one listened to us and no one cared. And we had to like do our whole ratings launch the way we were going to anyway, but it just didn't have the same impact. It would have, you know, if it didn't get leaked. Ooh, that could be a nightmare if it, you know? Yeah, yeah, (laughs) definitely. Definitely. It's, it was, it was rough for a couple weeks franchise thank you so much for coming on i really appreciate it uh yeah of course uh if you haven't um make sure to follow franchise franchise what are all your handles um at matt franchise on twitter at matt franchise on instagram that's pretty much where i live that's pretty much where you live and make sure to check out madden's gonna be coming out soon i just saw is it patrick mahomes he's gonna be uh he's the cover athlete yep he's he's the guy and The Bears passed on him, but that's a different conversation. Another day. (laughs) Yeah, but you got Khalil Mack now, so you're good. We are not going to talk about quarterbacks. That is another podcast (laughs) for another day, my friend. Thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Pink. Thanks for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of Social Media Unlocked. Please take a moment to review this podcast in the iTunes store. And if you want to learn more about me and my social media experience, go to heather.pink or on Instagram, you can find me at heatherpink27. And if you're looking for help in creating a social media department or building a social media brand, my consulting agency Pink Deer is here to help. Visit www.pinkdeerllc.com for more info.